This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to an, yet another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. The new era gets itself underway in true Argyle fashion as Messrs. Jusnip and Manskival lead the side to a mental 3-3 draw. The ghost of Christmas past, Jay Stansfield, tries to make it all about him, but has been, more, has been left more red-faced than Rudolph, sending his own teammate off on a stretcher and having to watch the side squander a two-goal lead from the bench. The fat and jolly man on the sidelines issued apology straight after the celebration. But it's not Santa's sack that he should be fearing this Christmas after failing to overcome managerless Argyle. Christian Bielik was handed a contentious early Christmas card by referee Graham Scott, while Sariki Dembele was clearly not on his list. Joe Edwards, Ben Wayne and Morgan Whittaker handed Argyle an early Christmas present in the form of a point to keep the Greens seven points clear of the bottom three. Joining me this Christmas Eve is... The jolly John Alsop. How's things? Good, thank you. Once a, once a red-nosed reindeer, always a red-nosed reindeer. The, the very merry Finley Allen. Hello. How's things? Uh, yeah, all good. Merry Christmas, everybody. And, and the Grinch who stole Christmas. Sam down. <laughs> merry Christmas, everybody. I think you've really outdone yourself with that intro. That's the best one yet. And quite aside from nearly butchering it, that was fantastic. Yeah, I mean. Have you seen that that TikTok trend of like people dressed as the Grinch running into other people's houses on demand and like yeah. destroying all of their decorations while their kids watch it? And I've just got mental image of Sam doing that. There was, there was a news story about a woman who paid eighty five pounds for that. The Grinch then did what was billed and like poured food all over the floor, and she got angry and went to the media and wanted a refund. Like, that was what the that was what the Grinch was meant to do. Yeah, anyway, how, how much did you have to do that through Argyle Corporate? <laughs> How much would the club pay me not to do it? Is probably more of the more of the relevant question. I'm just imagining Paul Hart and Gary Sawyer's startled faces as Sam runs through the hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> that would be class. Go, go on, Sam. Whilst we've got you, you, why don't you kick us off with this one? I think we all had a bit of a discussion going into the game that we were either going to rise to the occasion or collapse under the pressure and. It was going to be one or the other. 
as it turned out, we did both in a way. Uh, the first half hour was really, really poor, really poor indeed. Um, didn't get going. I think we just, we kind of almost expected things to magically go away because we had a loud crowd and, you know, lots of flags and banners up and the feel good vibe. I think they sort of forgot that they actually had to do the work on the pitch. It was just an awful start to the game. Yes, Ben Wayne had that very good chance in about the second or third minute. That was a good move. But from that to after the second goal, we was just appalling. Um, I think that yeah, the occasion got to us. Obviously, what happened with that idiot after the first goal didn't help matters. I don't want to give him much of the attention that he's due. I'm sure Aaron's got a question about it later, but I think that just... Hey, well, good job I've yeah, got a whole uh, section to ask you about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. OK. All, all I'm saying for now on that subject is I think it just wound people up even more and obviously it just added to the added to the head loss we were already having. And we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit more depth later, but that's my basic analysis of it. Um, then we, we conceded a second. Stansfield could have scored again. Um, but but he didn't, thankfully. But they did then get a second. Um, obviously, Buchanan being stretched off um, again. It was it just it added, added a little bit of a stoppage to the game. It, it happened just after the Wayne chance, so that probably just killed any chance we had of of capitalising on our positive momentum. That's not obviously to blame the lad. He's been caught awkwardly, and he's you know thank God he's okay. Um, now you know in hospital being seen to, but the the incident did derail us. Obviously, the two goals. First half hour, we were just shocking, um, frankly. We then did get back into the game, but we had a good run leading up to half time. Good work by Wayne, chased down their defenders, nicked in and got the ball and laid it to Edwards, who was also pressing very well and took advantage of the defensive mistakes. And then we were really battering on the door. Uh, a half time came at the wrong time for us because we were really, really pressuring, really hammering. Started. Um, at this point, it's worth saying I think Sarika Dembele should have gone for that for kicking Jordan Houghton off the ball. It was an appalling um, lot, lot, loss of discipline. Um, the, clearly, there's a bit of spice to the game after the Stamsfield incident and 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 you know a few other naughty tackles that had gone in. But to just kick a player off the ball like that is outstanding. The ref's just not watching it, is he? That's why he's not even booked him because even if you argue that you know it wasn't quite bad enough to warrant a red card which I don't agree with I think it was a red card but even if you could make that argument that it's a yellow he's not even got a yellow so that suggests to me the ref's just not just not watched it and I think the, the, the assistant referee also hasn't been watching it um, so they've got away with one there they've got away with one big time uh, we come out and start the second half well um, again they, they do get a red card I've watched it back. Um, I think it's probably a yellow. I think some people are saying it's not even a foul because he's got the ball. I think that's just nonsense because he is going in incredibly recklessly. I think you could make an argument that if the scar at QPR ones are red, that one's a red as well because they're both endangering the safety of an opponent in a way. But I think that one was probably slightly less bad than the one for scar at QPR. So on, on balance, it I think it's a yellow. So... They, they, they had one red card, but it, and they should have had one red card, but the one they should have had was a different one to the one they actually had. So it's kind of balanced itself out a little, but it's rightly 11 against 10. Um, we then really, really put the pressure on for about five, 10 minutes. They catch us with a complete sucker punch on the break. Um, just bad defending by us. Um, nobody tracks the runners. Um, uh, Gibson, I think, loses his man. Hazard slips, which if he if he doesn't slip, he probably saves. And at two goals down, then it's incredibly difficult for us to get anything out of the game. But we we do we we keep pressing, 
Uh, again, good work by Wayne um, forces the defender into into sticking a leg out to stop Wayne getting there, and that then that then leads to an own goal. Um, and and then after that point, Birmingham just go mega low block. They put all their te- remaining ten men behind the ball. They do all they can to try and slow the game down, as you'd expect in that scenario. That's not really sour grapes. That's just what teams do. Um, and and then we yeah we we eventually find the breakthrough thanks thanks to Whitaker, I think. If you're looking at goalkeepers, if we're blaming Hazard for their third, I think Ruddy's quite poor for our third. You should be looking at that, expecting to save it, but it goes in, thankfully. And then at the end of the game, there's only one team who's, who's, who's gonna who's gonna win it. They have that. Again, they do hit us on the break and, and Hazard makes a decent save, but that last five, six minutes of stoppage time where really battering on the door. Isaka could score, just narrowly whistles wide of the post. Um yeah, I think we can be very proud of how we played for most of that game. Um, the start of it was awful, but once we managed to calm down and, and, and get the grips of the game, we, we, we there was only one team in it after that point. We had far more quality than them throughout. By far the better team after the first half hour. Um, they, they, they didn't look up to much at all. I think you can see why they're doing so poorly under Rooney. Um, all their chances came as a result of us handing the errors on a plate, really. Um I suppose you could probably maybe say they deserved the draw just because they did dominate that first half hour. But after that first half hour, there was there was no no contest. It was complete domination, and I think we can be yeah we can be proud of how we played. And if we keep playing like that, we shouldn't have too many problems. Sam has uh, Sam has unwrapped all of Aaron's questions before the King's speech here. I think mm. not going to have any. Not going to have anything. Just taking that joke straight out of my mouth, which is really annoying. Um, anything to add there, John? Can you, can you... Anything that pop in my stockings? So I maybe, maybe, <laughs> this a, maybe this is a role reversal from Sam's normal Grinch-like persona, but I actually have a way less positive reflection on the game than him. I think. Um, I think I was, you know, more down on it coming out of the ground yesterday. Not as down as as Dan Ellard, a, a regular member of this podcast, who was furious at full time. Um, but he really has a very, very low opinion of Wayne Rooney and Birmingham. And I think there was no way, no world in which he was ever going to be satisfied with a point. I, I think it was a good point in the sense that whenever you're 2-0 down and then 3-1 down, um, you can't really ever complain about about coming back into it and, and getting a share of the spoils. Um, obviously, the red card, you could look at it and say, well, that happened at 2-1 and we sort of shot ourselves in the foot, which, which we did defensively. Sam is absolutely right about that for the third goal. But, um, you know, we've seen in the last three games that um, in each of the last three games that red cards don't necessarily pan out the way you always expect. You know, we went to QPR, got a man sent off early and were very resilient and it sort of made us bunker down into a defensive block that they just couldn't break down. Rotherham last weekend were actually better with 10 men, I thought, than they were with 11. Um, And so when that, you know, when Bielik is sent off, you're sort of thinking, you know, this is a huge opportunity to wrest control of the game. But it doesn't mean that, you know, we're suddenly going to just be coursing through loads of empty space. Obviously, they're going to change their tactics and are still going to be a threat on the break. And that's the way it proved. So even though there was that that man advantage for quite a long period of the game, I do think that, you know, we did score twice during that period, ultimately, and, and got a point. Um, <clears throat> so so I'm happy with the, with the result. Um, but I think I, I don't share Sam's rosy assessment of the performance. I thought it was pretty poor all afternoon, really, um, quite laboured. I think if Bielik hadn't been sent off, they certainly would have won the game and they would have deserved to. Um, and I don't think it was a red card, although I do think that, as Sam says, um, there were quite a few incidents in the game that could have been a two yellows sending off for 
Messrs, Stansfield and, and Dembele. So it's not necessarily the case they deserve to end the game with 11 men. But, but, but you know, that, that particular decision, I thought, went the wrong way against them. Um, and, and ultimately, I think with 11 v 11, they were, they were by miles the better side. Um, and I think partially you have to give them credit for that. Obviously, they've been very, very poor under Rooney, generally speaking, but they have had some really good performances under him, including against Ipswich at home, where I believe they were outstanding and, and basically conceded twice in the last 10 and only drew the game 2-2. There was always a risk. Yet yesterday, you know, we would come up against one of their better performances. And actually, unlike Sam, I thought they looked really, really good. Um, I thought they, they clearly have a huge amount of quality going forward. Um, Sandsfield hasn't scored as many goals maybe as he should have done this season, but clearly is massively fired up playing against us and, and has done two, uh, well, scored twice against us in, in two games this season. I thought he was outstanding yesterday. Um, sure will come on to his behaviour later, but just in terms of the footballing side of things, Dembele and Bakuna, very, very tricky customers. Well, Sunjic kept things, Sunjic, I think, kept things kind of ticking over in the midfield. Um, you know, they, they always have a defensive mistake in them. That first goal that we scored was one where um, it was the sort of moment that I thought we would have some joy from. Uh, you know, yesterday, uh, sort of a complete defensive mix-up. Um, they just didn't clear the ball and we managed to nick in. But otherwise, you know, I thought Sanderson uh, defended quite well, put a couple of excellent blocks in, one on one on a Wayne shot in the first half. Um, <clears throat> so I thought they actually played pretty well, uh, including with 10 men. And I thought certainly with 11 against 11, they looked the more dangerous side. We, on the other hand, I thought were sluggish, nowhere near our best. Didn't think any of our attacking players were especially impressive. Certainly didn't play to the levels that we know they can. Uh, obviously, Whisker is a a difference maker moments player who has popped up with a one of those moments towards the end of the game but I thought otherwise he was pretty quiet um and as Sam alluded to I think looking back at that goal Ruddy will be will be disappointed he didn't save it it's you know it's a, it's a decent effort but it's a snapshot and it's not right in the corner or anything until Ruddy sort of pushes it there so um yeah I, I thought we were I thought it was one of our, our poorer performances of the season and ultimately I think if we hadn't had that man advantage probably we wouldn't have got anything out of the game and I don't think we could have massively complained um, but that's not to say, you know, there wasn't heart and spirit and desire. You know, we never say we never say die. We never know when we're beaten. You know, the, the team spirit was excellent. Um, we kept going in the face of adversity. And obviously, you know, as Sam said at the beginning, I kind of agree with his assessment. You know, we were either going to have a, a big kind of response to the, the Schumacher departure or kind of look below our best. And in the end, it was kind of both. Performance-wise, we were way below our best. But in terms of spirit and desire, we didn't, you know, we didn't give up. So... I think given, you know, we can't know as people from the outside how unsettling that has been. Um, you know, all of the people who have come forward and done club media or put things on Twitter or whatever in the last week have sort of presented as if they're still supremely confident this wasn't going to affect them. But obviously it does, um, you know, it obviously has to have an effect. So I think given that, um, you know, given that and how the game went, certainly in the first half an hour, I think we can be happy with the point, take it and, and move on. Yeah, I would just go through some full-time thoughts. Um, Adam Price of, of this parish um, made me laugh and he said, uh, one of our worst performance in, performances in months, I don't know what's happened, I can't really speak today, um, has something changed behind the scenes or something? Uh, made me laugh. Uh, Tom Harris is happy enough of a point, especially being 3-1 down. I uh, don't think we we're brilliant, nor Birmingham. Whoever comes in needs to tighten us up defensively. The state of the goals conceding today was appalling. Um, and after all the red cards not given against us, I was shocked that that one was a red. Strictly Plymouth says, showed a lot of character in the second half to get back into it. Emotions running high. Today, a, today's a stepping stone. We can hold our own until a new manager's in place. Uh, use the fight from today at Cardiff. Can we win there? I'm sure I'll ask that question to Sam later on. Um, 
Um, MJ12 Green Army says we need to improve defensively for large parts. We looked lost without a leader on the touchline. Wayne's out of his depth. We need to keep Whitaker in January end of. Uh, need a manager in ASAP. What a winner it would have been for Freddie. Um, relieved with a point in the end. Um, Josh Pitcher says the fans once again could have turned on the team for being so sloppy, but you really uh, could feel the fans will those players to get forward. We'll take a point due to the disturbed prep and poor performance. We win that game if Stano isn't on the pitch. Um, and Casey Pil Pilgrim says we're going to need a three-hour marathon pod just to cover everything. Um, so it's a good job we've got Sam and John on who like to talk a lot, isn't it, Finn? Um, should we start with the events of the, the 15th minute then? Um, firstly, obviously, firstly, wishing Lee Buchanan um, all the best. Sam, you said that there was that, that he was okay. I've not seen an update, but I assume he's all right. Uh, well, I thought that was something really said in his post match interview. I've not actually seen it in anywhere other than that, but I've, I've just see, saw some, some tweets saying, I'm glad he's okay. You know, I think we'd have heard more by now if he wasn't possibly, yeah, yeah. surely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, um, Rudy said it wasn't a bad injury in his post match interview. That was what I was referring to, I think. Yeah. Maybe, are we overusing the structures then at the moment? Two two injuries in, in as many games that aren't as bad as its first game. Um anyway, uh, let's start with the goal itself then, Finn. I'll let you speak for a bit. Um how are we how are we letting a man of Jay Stansfield's size win a header um, oh, um so easily in and around the six yard box? Yeah, I mean every one of the goals um lot uh, yesterday was massively preventable um i think it was just a combination of the fact that um we were just a brawling for that first 30 minutes and we were just not um switched on at all um it is worth saying i do think stansfield was offside in the phase of play leading up to the corner however however having said that um we should do far far, far better um, and you just knew he was going to score. You just knew he was going to score. I, I said he was going to score whether we won the game or, or what, uh, whatever happened. Um, you just knew that was going to happen. Just knew that was yeah. going to happen. <laughs> so, so... I actually yeah. knew that was going to happen to the point where I had that tweet in the drafts ready to go. Yeah, like, so, you know, um, yeah, not, not great. Um, the ball just kind of seemed to... Sounds obvious, but hit his head and kind of fly in. Like it, it kind of just no one seems to get near the ball. No one seems to challenge it. Stansfield pretty much free header into the corner. Um, people saying Hazard could do better, but I think it's one of those. It's like, you know, it kind of just happened so quickly. He's in the bottom corner, you know, 1 0 to Birmingham. We should do better, but there's, I can't, without seeing it back multiple times, I can't say. Uh, you know, there's one particular player that should be uh, necessarily doing a better job. I think as a whole, as a whole collective unit, you know, we should just be switched on more for the corner. To be honest, yeah. I mean, well, we, we mark zonally, don't we? Generally, more so than man to man. It's a bit of a hybrid style, I know, but there seemed to be. I don't really know who was meant to be in Stansfield zone. It was a bit of a yeah, he was a bit of. He, he, I think Finn is right. He just seemed to have all the space in the world, didn't he? There was nobody anywhere near him. So no, I'm sure they'll be looking at that one on the 
on the training pitch. Um, but yeah, obviously, look, I'm, I'm not against zonal marking. I think they definitely have advantages over man-to-man marking, but this was very much a time where whoever was meant to be in his zone just didn't follow him, didn't pick it up, and he headed it in. Yeah, on that, um, am I on mute? No, I'm not. That's good. On that, uh, John, um, not a troll, otherwise known as Ben in these in these parts, said uh, what was going on defensively. I have a feeling, uh, like he said on the last scheduled pod, uh, that Pleggy is somewhat unbalancing everything in his orbit. Um, he can't quite put his finger on that. Why don't you couple that with the fact that we've now conceded twice in as many games against 10 men? Like, what? Just what's going on defensively? I'm going to do something unusual, given the aforementioned liking to talk, and throw over to Sam to talk about Pleggworth Wailo, because he had uh, another strong reaction to his performance yesterday, didn't you, Sam? Uh, I gave this one um, to you because Sam said an awful lot about Pleguazolo in, in recent Yeah, no, I will I will very kindly bat it back to John. <laughs> because I, I because I, I would like I would like to tackle the, the, the celebration question from back. Um I think we all want to tackle the celebration question. Um I don't know. I mean we just look very porous um against teams that counterattack very quickly. Um, I'm not, you know, a defensive coach or expert, so I'm probably not going to be able to give you a, a sort of breakdown and even great technical detail of what the goals I'm sure Ben would be able to do if he was here. But the second one, we've just got so many chances to clear the ball. Feels like we're ball watching. Um, it's a great ball in by Bakuna. And you have to say that, you know, the ball is sort of running out of play and he scooped a fantastic cross to the back post, but James is all alone there to finish really stylishly. Um, but clearly there's a, there's a gaping hole where, you know, where there should be a defender challenging for the ball. Um, and, and like I said, we should have cleared it before it even got to that point. And then the third one, I think Stansfield is just on side. It's a great run. Obviously, there's a, there's a huge lapse in concentration of us stepping up. And, and I just think we, we really didn't look like we were able to cope with their pace at all yesterday, which is disappointing given that, you know, we had sort of Pleggy in the side, who's probably more on the pacey side of our, of our three centre-backs. Um, and... Yeah, you know, once Stansfield breaks away, it's great quality on the cutback. I personally wouldn't blame Hazard for the third goal. I've seen some of that going around. I think that, yeah, it doesn't look great because it sort of squirms under him. But I also think it's a finish from from the sort of penalty spot that's hit pretty hard. Um, obviously, you know, it's a phase of play where Hazard's having to track the ball coming across. I think in reality, it, it would be asking a lot to to save that, to be honest, when he's when he's wrong-footed. Um, not sure it's one that Cooper saves necessarily. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a terrible keeper howler or anything but we just never really looked comfortable at the back yesterday um and it's a bit of a head scratcher and a bit of a shame because i think we have shown in different games this season that we can be solid defensively like i said before on this podcast i think it's a a little bit of a myth um that we are absolutely horrendous at the back or if not a myth it's sort of you know one reading of data that obviously look makes it look very clearly like we can't defend but there have been games in which we have defended very well um and we have shown a lot more discipline and so, and obviously we do have players at the back who I think are very talented. I mean, I think Gibson is an absolutely outstanding player at this level. Um, probably one of the better, I mean, maybe not one of the better centre-backs in the entire league, but a player who should be playing for a top 10 team, I think. Um, and Pleggy, I think, you know, Contra Sam, who has a very, very strong negative opinion about him, I think is actually, has a lot of qualities at this level. Um, but whatever it is, it just doesn't, seem like we can go 90 minutes in certain games without giving up chance after chance after chance. The same last weekend against Rotherham. Um, looked really ropey 
another reason, by the way, that I'll take the point is that they had a huge chance at 3-3 where they put a ball in towards the back stick. But I think Oli Burke has just not quite got his header right from a tight angle. I was, I was convinced that was in being kind of behind that in the ground. Um, and in the end, Hazard's just sort of been able to pluck it out of the air. But yeah, you know, I don't expect us to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. I'm certainly not calling for a sort of Warnockian, um, you know, backs to the wall effort every week. I don't think that's going to be the way that we're going to get our points. And I think that it's it's clearly, you know, I think that, you know, the club have correctly identified not only that we want to play an attacking style for philosophical reasons, but that's probably where we have the most quality. And so, you know, probably actually the way we are going to win games at this level is just outscoring the, the opposition by the odd goal in, in five or six a lot of the time. Um, but I also think that we're making very preventable errors at the back. I think there are very clearly issues of organisation and positioning that we have, again, that we have shown that we know how to, um, that we know how to stop, you know, when we, when we want to seemingly. So something has to change and, and I'm hoping it's sort of in an ideal world that we can get the new manager in and there's someone who is going to be able to, as I think one of the, the tweets you read out said, they're going to be able, they're going to be someone who is able to kind of do that just kind of basic tightening without huge trade-offs um going forward i really think that is achievable i really really do um because we have done it at times this season um so yeah while i do not want to see a philosophical shift i do think we're conceding preventable goals in terms of conceding against 10 men just very quickly the aspect of the question i think that's a little bit of a red herring i mean it's you know they still have 10 players on the pitch it's not it's not um and again as we said games games just don't go like that right after red cards it's not it's not as easy as saying oh well they're just going to clap so they're going to leave loads of space open right like they you will get chances certainly in a situation where we're chasing the game um they were always going to have a couple of opportunities on the break and while it's really bad defending for the third i do think you also have to give a bit of credit to stansfield for a great run uh and a really good kind of astute cutback um it's a well-worked goal from them as well as being poor defensively from us so i'm not you know going to sit here and say you should never concede a goal with 10 men obviously football is not that simple but um all three goals i thought yeah there was there were there was poor defensive stuff from us that we really need to work on an iron out um i'd like to say to that that you know whilst we are all you know like you said not to go back too much on schumacher but you know thankful for all the stuff that he did here as i'm I'd like to point out that you know no manager's system or or way that they set up their teams is perfect and I think one of the kind of recurring themes throughout his sort of era and obviously he has now left but we are sort of in the in the transitional period of not really changing too much of what he did and I don't think the manager whoever the next manager who comes in won't change it too much but obviously he's going to have his own certain ideas and we might change system slightly for example um but like I think one of the recurring themes of his sort of um era was you know our vulnerability on the counter-attack um you know i go back to last season the end of last season um where i believe there was a string of games um where we just kept um and it didn't happen last last uh yesterday but it was close to happening a couple of times where we just floated in a really poor corner um and a keeper would, would catch it we've never we haven't been good on corners um throughout the low all schumacher's era um, and he's just caught it, and then we you know one one um, quick throw or kick up the pitch, and they're suddenly in behind. And I think there was a, a string of games, I believe, maybe Lincoln at home and Morecambe away, where uh, similar things um, happened in, in sort of consecutive games where uh, we we got we got. We got hit on the counter attack very quickly um, and conceded after um, a corner that was just kind of floated into the keeper's hands. 
Um, so I was set from from our own attacking corners um, defensively is not great and continues not to be that. Um, and so I think, you know, I'm just sort of pointing out that we have for, for, for three or four years, you know, despite the great football we've been playing, we have been um, very vulnerable on the counter-attack and that continues to be the case. And it's something that I hope, I think, yes, we can improve the players that we have defensively maybe, um, but I, I think it's a it's a, it's 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 a bit of a systemic um, problem at the moment, rather than a, a personnel problem. I think there was things that we could we could identify, and actually, I think we could have done it a bit quicker um, than we already have. You know, we've had very few frustrations, uh, you know, with Schumacher and stuff. But it's one of the frustrations that that I have had with the style of play that we have been playing is that we are massively vulnerable on the counter attack. I was going to say, our set pieces were terrible yesterday, just quickly to add to Finn. Really, really poor. And they, they've not, they're generally not very good, but yesterday they were particularly awful, by and large. Mm. And I actually thought there were a couple of times late on where Ruddy was quite conservative, where he's plucked a ball out of the air. He's got a couple of runners going upfield, and they really could have hurt us and gone on to win the game. And for whatever reason, he's smart, for whatever reason. The reason is that they have 10 men, and obviously they did sort of settled in and, and decided they were going to take a point, I think, right, right towards the end of the game. But um, there were a couple of times where he gathered the ball in and really could have released one of their wingers in acres of space, um, despite the fact they had a man light. And that for me is unforgivable. Um, and obviously those those moments didn't really come to light because Ruddy decided to, again, to be conservative and not take the risk of bowling out. But if he had done, I think we'd have been in trouble a couple of times late on there, despite being the ones who were by and large pushing for the winner. So yeah, lots and lots of work to do on those particular situations. Yeah, again, as Finn said, not just on the counter-attack, but from our own set pieces in particular, you really should not be that vulnerable from those. Uh, no, all I was going to say is that obviously... Uh, any manager that does come in as well isn't real realistically going to get any time on the grass until what that week that little bit of time before the Sutton game and then if we've even got a manager by then um, assess the squad so I don't see any changes coming anytime soon uh, after his goal Mr Stansfield uh, calmly quietly uh, walked up to the Devonport end. Uh, it, it, all he did was lift up his shirt and revealed a little message, a little Merry Christmas message. Uh, I believe it read, uh, once a red, always a red, Sam, but you weren't too happy with, with, with Jay's gesture. Oh, he's just a very angry bloke, isn't he? Clearly, he's just scored a goal for his team. that He's not scored very many this season, have they? So he should, thought he might enjoy it for the benefit, for what it is, just for the benefit of scoring a goal. But he, no, he's had to go and do that, which is just really stupid, really provocative. Um, so he, for any of our listeners, you've somehow not watched the highlights. He's ran and stuck his head almost, almost into the crowd. He's gone right up to the, the the hoardings so much so that I think his boots must actually be touching the, the hoardings. Those, those um, hoardings are really good at holding like fans back though, aren't they? Because there's nothing there that every time a player runs up to hoardings, Fans just never seem to get close. They sort of just stand back with their arms. I think it's the, the the threat of a three-year ban more than anything else. But um, there was at least one fan who was on the wrong side of the hoardings. He then later got dragged out by, by stewards. But anyway, so he's done that. He's lifted up his shirt to display once a red, always a red. Almost leant forward into the crowd, almost like almost like daring them to have a go at him. Um, and, and yeah, it's caused a lot of unrest. It's um, obviously lots of... Coke bottles and that kind of thing got lobbed onto the pitch. It's absolutely don't condone the response to make that quite clear. Um, 
because you know for one it's just not accepting them for two it's not anything else it could hit anybody it, it you know it could doesn't it doesn't mean it's going to hit the intended target so um it look it's not acceptable at all what he did um i've, I've had it sort of said to me that yes if if in the future Adam Randall or Freddie Asaka were to go to another club and to do the same to the big bank, we'd all absolutely love it. And, and yeah, we would. We probably would. But you ha- but that doesn't mean it's right either way because you have to think subjectively. Was it Niall Ennis last year that did similar? I mean, it's not not the same. Obviously, it didn't display a message. I mean, that that was in a goal against them, wasn't it? So that was a little bit, and that, that was a little bit different. He, he, he was actually directly against them, and and it, and it was at that end anyway. So, yeah. But I think that was just so unnecessary. And look, he, for, even from his own team point of view, Wayne Rooney, if I were Wayne Rooney, I'd be furious with him because all he's done for that is he's put himself on a yellow card for the whole game, which is probably why he got taken off after about an hour. And he was having a really good game, so he's let his own team down by, by putting himself on a yellow. He is a very talented player, and he had a good game yesterday. No, no doubting that whatsoever. He's not scored many goals this season, but... That's not really what his game's about. He's about bringing others into play. He's a big, big target man, link-up striker. So, yeah, for such a very talented young player, he's he's clearly got a real chip on his shoulder with this club. Um, I've had it suggested it, it all goes over social media. This is a um, so, somehow a justified response to on very, very minuscule, vanishingly small number of Argyle fans who've made derogatory comments at game uh, games about about his dad who, who tragically passed away with cancer 13 years ago and, and i think that look the, the number of argar fans who who would do that it, it, it's so tiny i've never and I'm, I'm not saying this i've never in my years going to games since then have heard a derogatory chat about adam Sandsfield. that's not to say there's never been any but i've i in my personally in my earshot i've, I've never heard that inside home park or any away stadium i, I really can't say i have so I don't think he would have heard it either. Um, will there have been will there have been some people who've made vile comments online that he's seen? Yes, possibly. And, and will that make him very angry towards his club? Yes, like I absolutely get that. But th- there is no excuse for endangering safety in the way that he did. It, it could have caused a riot. It, it, it pro- uh, probably quite lucky that it didn't come worse than it did. Um, really stupid behaviour. Quite rightly booked. Um, yeah. I, I, we, I can kind of sort of laugh and, and see the funny side a little bit now, now that it's all died down, but he, he's really, really should be reprimanded quite severely for that. And it's just a stupid, stupid thing to do. Can I, can can I, I just be contrary and just say that I, personally, I love it. I just think that's brilliant. Like, what's Wait. wrong with it? Like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Bit, bit, close, bit close to the stand, sure. But like, I've got no problem with him displaying a message and, and you know, giving him. Well, look, like I said, if it was, yeah, if it was the other way around, if it was the other way around, yes, we would laugh at it. I agree. It, yeah. But, yeah, but but if I was a Birmingham fan, or even if I was just a, like, or even if I was just a neutral fan, yes, if I was an Exeter fan, I'd love it, and I'd love it if Randall five years down the line did it the other way around. But but yeah, look, if I was a Birmingham fan, I'd be annoyed that, that a, 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 a talented player. I'd put himself on a yellow wall game just to make a stupid gesture. And if I was a neutral watching that, I'd just think, what a complete prat. So, yes, the fact that we would love it, it's, it's probably not wrong, but it's also not a valid reason to do it. Sorry, I'll, I'll let Sam has gone on mute here. Yeah, he's really good at going on mute after, like, before he's finished talking. <laughs> Go on, John. I was going to say, um, like, yeah, OK, would we love it if, if Randall had done the same thing extra. I mean, I think you know, inevitably the circumstances would be different just because the circumstances with Jay Stansfield and what he's been through are are not obviously not unique, but but very different to just any kind of player goading a, a former club's 
um, rivals. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, and also, you know, it's, it's kind of like the reason that you don't have family members on criminal juries, right? Like, you know, as, as a fan of the club, obviously you're always going to be biased towards things that your own players do. And, and obviously, you know, that doesn't, it just because we would love it if Randall did it potentially doesn't, doesn't make it right, you know? Um, and I like to think hopefully that I'd be able to sort of step out of that and be consistent about it. But I think what's really disappointing for me is not wishing to, to lower the mood at all as someone who has lost a parent in a similar circumstances to Jay Stansfield, um, you know, a long time ago and certainly not something I need to go into in great length or anything. I like to think I've always been a bit sympathetic towards him, um, to be honest, uh, just as a, just in general as a bloke. And, uh, you know, I can sort of understand heat of the moment reactions. And so when we ran into the crowd, I was thinking, when I was at the other end to, to the incident, I'm thinking, you know, this is a shame, but I can sort of understand, you know, in the heat of the moment, why you would do something like that. When I saw the shirt, I was aghast because it means the whole thing is premeditated. It means that at some point in a calm frame of mind or a frame of mind that is not in the heat of a moment in a football match where you just scored and your emotions are running wild, he has decided to either print that himself or have someone in the club or outside the club print that shirt with the express intention of riling up an opposition fan base. And it's totally inappropriate behaviour. I think if one of our players had done that, I would also, I genuinely, sincerely think, I would think they are, they were a prat for doing it. I don't think it's remotely comparable to Ennis turning to their fans and sort of just going, you know, doing something that footballers do in derby games all the time, because there is that element of premeditation, but there's no, there's no sort of head loss rationale for this. Um, And I don't know exactly what rule it comes under, maybe the sort of blanket bringing the game into disrepute is the one, but I think, you have to get suspended for that. Um, you know, obviously, while I don't condone our fans reacting in the way they did and throwing things, that you're putting yourself and your teammates in a dangerous situation if you do something like that. And I think that goes for any player doing that against any club. Um, and it's not something that can be acceptable or appropriate in football. And I think he needs to have the book, unfortunately, have the book thrown at him for, for doing that. I, I, would, I would just say, I thought Wayne Rooney's response to this was incredibly classy. Uh, apparently, he apologised immediately to Jusnip. Obviously, only have Jusnip's word for that, so so I'll assume that's true. But obviously, you haven't. It's not something Rudy is. I don't think he's talked about doing that publicly. But what he did say publicly was was I thought really really classy, which was he basically defended his player and said, you know, he's a young lad learning his trade, and I'll put an arm around him and have a word. But he also didn't condone it. Um, and I thought that was actually for someone who I think has taken a lot of stick as a manager and probably rightly so, both tactically and in terms of man management. I thought showed a great deal of emotional intelligence to say, you know, he's a young lad and I'm not going to sort of cheer him out in front of the media, but I'm also going to make it clear that that's not behaviour that we accept. Um, I'm sure, you know, probably comes to a degree from personal experience with him as someone who has had a a big glaring spotlight on him and made mistakes as a young man um, as well. So, um, yeah, I thought well well played for him, to him for responding like that. Um, And yeah, Stansfield, you know, I'm always going to, again, for personal reasons, have a degree of sympathy with him, I think. But I thought that was really uncondonable behaviour, um, that just the premeditated aspect of it, and really, really disappointing to see for that reason. Um, I would go slightly less harsh um, on that, saying that I think it needs a it needs a ban, but what what I would say, as a Plymouth as a Plymouth Argyle fan, I don't really care about Birmingham City and Birmingham and Birmingham City fans don't really care about Plymouth Argyle. So in that situation Jay Stansfield has made that all about himself and the spotlight all about him when actually and uh he's I'm not condoning um our fans actions um 
But like John said, it's obviously a premeditated action. If he scores, he's going to do that. Um, so he's well aware of the possible consequences. And then Just he... very quickly, Finn, sorry, very, very quickly. He probably, I've it thoughts occurred to me, probably had that on shirt in the in the in the match at St Andrews. And the only reason he didn't bring it is he scored at the home end rather than in front of the away end. The thoughts occurred to me that he very probably had the same shirt underneath that if he'd have scored in front of the away end at St Andrews, he may well have done the same thing. But yeah, never mind. Yeah, just a thought worth mentioning. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not Jay Stansfield FC. It's Birmingham City. Like nobody cares that you scored, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like we're going to be more angry, of course. Like, and he's not. You know, we don't particularly like him. He doesn't particularly like Plymouth Argyle. That's fine. But like the fact that he's actively gone up to the stand, and again, not condoning the actions of our fans. Um, I'm I'm reluctant to call them fans, really, but you know they are that they thrown stuff. But um, he's then, uh, we, you know, that's a very possible thing to happen if he goes up and does that. It's premeditated, and then he's endangered his other teammates. I believe Jordan James was hit hit actually hit by the bottle. So as a teammate, I wouldn't be particularly happy at him anyway. Like he said, he's been given a stupid yellow card. Didn't need to happen for the rest of the game. It, the spotlight is. Actually, you know, Birmingham City haven't had that many good results recently. So a free all draw against 10 men uh, away from home, you know, when you have 10 men, isn't necessarily a bad result. And actually, I did think they played well in spells yesterday. But no, now coming away from that game, all of the talk is about, well, Jay Stansfield making it about him and lifting his, his shirt up. So, yeah, from a, from a professional perspective and a sort of teammate perspective, of Birmingham City. I know, I know the but sort of Birmingham City and Exeter City fans will sort of rebel in it. But from a from a professional point of view, I'd be looking at my teammate at that point of point in time. And you know, like like with the Ennis thing and stuff, there is nothing wrong with sort of going up and sort of you know holding your hands up. But basically, physically jumping into the stand is a different is a different ball game for me. I think it's actions of a very immature individual who needs to realise it's not all about him. We are 40-odd, 42 minutes in, so let's let's just jump straight into the ref watch. Sal, you sort of covered it in your, your opening spiel. Go on then, John. Waiting patiently with your hand up. Do, do you want to start with the, the Dembele kick out? Or is there... Um, I, I'm just going to do a general overview quickly and then others can Go maybe on, talk about it. I might be quicker. Graham Scott, I believe, is an experienced Premier League referee. Uh, and I thought he was. Awful. Had no had no control of the game whatsoever. I didn't see the kick out um, incident. To be honest, um, I think that was more at Sam's end of the pitch. Didn't see it in real time, but I'll take Sam's word for it. Not only that, not not only because um, obviously you know I'm inclined to trust Sam apart from when his opinion entered into things. Um, but um, because Dembele was doing that for you know every time there was a little incident, you know he, he um, committed a quite naughty foul on Galloway. I thought certainly not, a, you know, a dangerous one, but where basically he tried to foul him once. Galloway got away from him, and Dembele just very cynically tugged him back very early on, kicked the ball away a couple of times with no consequence. Um, and and yeah, apparently there was the kick out incident as, as well. So I thought he, you know, considering he did get booked eventually, that he was very lucky to stay on the pitch. And Stansfield as well, I thought, um, had a couple of other little incidents that, that maybe could have been a second yellow for him as well. Um, so uh, yeah, I thought, you know, obviously it was a a game that had a lot of, of fight in it, um, was quite bitty. But, but but you know, Graham Scott is a Premier League referee and you would expect a referee of that calibre to be able to handle that. And I thought he had no control whatsoever. Um, 
We've already spoken about the actual red card that did happen. Um, having seen it back in real time, I didn't think it was a red card. Having seen it back, I don't think it's a red card. Um, I, you know, I think this. I personally think the scar one at QPR is a bit borderline, but I can understand, you know, looking back why he has been sent off. I don't think this is as bad as that. I don't think there's really kind of a high lunging boot or anything. It's it's you know maybe excessive force, but that that probably. You know, I don't think it's excessive enough force for it to be a straight red card, basically. So I think Birmingham can feel rightly very aggrieved about that incident. Um, and and for, but, but for me, the biggest frustration from our point of view as the referee was the amount of added time at the end of the game. And I know that's obviously not a decision that he makes in isolation. Um, six minutes is an absolute piss take for the amount of time wasting that was going on in that second half. Um, you know, in a half that also had three goals, lots of substitutions. Birmingham... Probably the worst time wasters I've seen at home park since, um, you know, the worst time wasters I've seen at home park not managed by a certain aging rocker with a leather jacket. Since, um, since Rotherham last week, maybe? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. But um, I thought it was <laughs> Rotherham, actually. Um, I thought it was, I thought they were just kicking the ball away at every opportunity, not doing it kind of blatantly where they're humping it downfield to sort of get a yellow card flicks of the ball, which is kicking it away and should be a yellow card. Um, you know, players walked off at the snail's pace every time they were substituted. And look, do I blame Birmingham for this? Probably not particularly. You know, they're, they're down to 10 men and they're 3-1 up at a certain point and then 3-2 up. They're going to try and protect that. Um, and I understand that. But it is up to the match officials to not let them get away with it. And time and time again, you could see our players getting in Graham Scott's ear and saying, are you going to add this on? And Scott could be saying to them, yeah, yeah, like pointing at his watch, whatever. He's booked a couple of them for time wasting. How? how that can then be six minutes only at the end of the game when, you know, you're probably getting four at the end of any normal half, the second half of, of football, you know, going back a period of years. And given that with these supposed new directives that came in at the beginning of this season that are leading to 10, 12 minutes of, of stoppage time that, you know, happened for three weeks and then were thrown out of the window as everyone predicted they would be. Um, how that can only be six minutes is preposterous. And it, and it is, and it has cost us, I think, because, even though, you know, my, my earlier comments notwithstanding about probably not deserving anything out of the game, very clearly we were the ones in the ascendancy pouring forward. We had several good opportunities in stoppage time, at least to put the ball in the box, if not, you know, clear sights of goal. If, if that had been eight, ten minutes, which is what it should have been, I really think we'd have fashioned at least one more chance. And who knows, maybe we'd have scored it and maybe that would have been an important three points. It is a ridiculous um, oversight. And it's infuriating because it incentivizes that type of behavior. And everything we've heard out of the, the FA and the match officials' bodies this season is that they want to clamp down on time wasting. They want to clamp down on, you know, they want to make sure basically that the full football match is played um, in terms of the amount of minutes that should be played. And it just seems like there was a talking point that led to action for two or three weeks and then was just thrown out for whatever reason. Um, and for a Premier League referee to let them get away with those cynical tactics just means that teams will do that week after week after week and realise there's no consequences, and it's embarrassing. Um, so I thought he was generally very poor, um, you know, and I sympathise with the red card from a Birmingham perspective, but I think he's also helped them out with the amount of added time at the end of the game, which for me is nowhere near, nowhere near long enough. Um, yeah, I thought it was an embarrassing refereeing performance all around, quite frankly, from someone who you would expect to know better. Uh, what I would say is like the so I I didn't see clearly the Dembele incident because it was like I was looking across, but I just saw Houghton go down. I didn't necessarily see the kick kind of happened quite quickly. I've seen it on a replay on Twitter, and Graham uh, Graham Scott is right in front of it, and he's looking at like he's looking at one of the players, but just as Dembele does it, he's got his head turned to the side. So someone's obviously clearly told him that. This is my personal opinion. Someone's obviously clearly told him at half time this has happened, like one of his assistants or whatever, 
has gone, look, this has happened. And then he's felt the need to possibly give a red card for something a little bit soft to, to even it up. And that's how I see the, the, the Bielik red card, to be honest with you. I don't think it's a red card. I, I, I believe Sam said it was an orange card when um, when when Scar got sent off. So maybe like a 50-50 thing. But uh, I don't think it's a, a blatant red card, the Bielik one. And, I, you know, with it being so early in the second half, I don't think it's kind of coincidental that he might have felt that he needed to make up for it. Um, having said that, I don't... You know that's not a very good. That's not a very good refereeing decision because you should you, you should just, you know, you might have made a mistake, but you should just you shouldn't then have to feel that you make up for a mistake that you've made. You just you just carry on, you know, as the as the game happens, you you make decisions based on what happens in the game, not what the mistakes you have made before it. Yeah, exactly. Completely agree. I think I think for me the. The Dembele one, maybe maybe I'm just softer. Maybe I don't know the laws of football properly as as um, as uh, proven in the the Stansfield debacle. But I just don't think it, like Dembele's just like literally tapped his foot. It's not a it's not a huge kick out. If I was playing up goals, I'd be fuming if I got a blue for that. I'd be I'd I'd be seething. I don't think that's a don't think that's even a yellow. If that's a yellow, then so is the Hazard push on on Dembele. Oh, just get over it. Isn't but, but Aaron, it? In, in, just get in that same incident where Hazard pushed Dembele, which I'm not condoning. It was a stupid thing to do. Anytime you anytime you raise your hands, you know, you get, giving a referee a decision to make. Dembele kicked the ball away, which is a yellow card. We were told at the beginning of the season that these are going to be yellow cards when players kick the ball away, and they did it time and time again yesterday. But apparently, just you know not kicking the ball far enough away doesn't get you a yellow card. <laughs> Almost every single one of their players should have been on a booking for kicking the ball away yesterday. And Dembele was the first one to do it. Um, and then, you know, that has our push. Yeah, again, I don't, I don't condone it. But that, that incident has been precipitated by Dembele kicking the ball away. He was at it all afternoon. Again, I didn't see the kick incident. They haven't seen it back, so I'm not commenting on that particular right. incident. But, you know, this, this is not... This is not a bloke who, you know, behaved like a saint yesterday and, and, and everyone's making a meal out of one incident. He was... There were you know, little things that added up, I think, to a situation where he should have been in trouble under the letter of the law. I, th- I think an interesting theme of yesterday game is how much both teams just completely lost their heads at times. Because we've talked about the Hazard push, we've talked about the Dembele kick, obviously the standstill and all the stuff that led from that. The other thing, which I think is worth mentioning, and I don't want to dig about too much because he's a player we all love, he's one of our own, was, was Randall um, near the end when we got given the corner, but he felt it should have been a free kick for being dragged down really loud vociferous dissent towards the referee which you know can happen you, you lose your head in the moment he got booked for it and then in what was really not his finest moment at all decided to sarcastically applaud the referee after being booked which i think was just really reckless of him because he really was putting himself in danger i was shouting at him to shut up because he was putting himself in danger of being sent off by doing that thankfully the ref decided not to because i think that would have caused a full-scale riot if he was then sent off for that but he, he wouldn't have had any complaints if he had been, because it was, you know, dissent is one thing, but to then continue the dissent after you've been booked is not his finest moment at all. And I hope he'll be, you know, regretting that slightly in the cool light of day. But yeah, I think there was a lot of high tempered. It was a very hot tempered, very emotional game that a lot of people did things they weren't necessarily proud of. The Stansman one is a bit different because, as John said, that was premeditated. But I think a lot of people lost their heads and, and, and lost their tempers in a way that was not not uh, desirable at all um the the, the i agree about the, the long walking off that was ridiculous i think stansfield probably could have could have been quicker if he'd have just you know 
got down on his got down on his knees and sort of crawled across on his knees. He was so slow walking off. It was absolute, and uh, you know, and the referee barely even spoke to him about it um, as well. Decided to you know give a little you know pirouette clapping clapping i think i think you know in theory clapping the way but i think he was sort of sarcastically clapping the argyle fans as well wasn't he if he was walking off which just added to the te- you know tensions that were already developing and then dembele took not quite as long but nearly as long and in dembele's case the referee didn't even talk to him because he was too busy talking to another birmingham player at the other end of the pitch taking a throw in and again it required randall to actually go over to him tap him on the shoulder and point at dembele how long he was taking to go off. And, and, you know, surely it shouldn't take our players to basically snitch on their players to the referee as to what's going on, because surely he or the assistant should be on top of that anyway. And then neither of them were. So, yeah, it was, it was, I think it was one of those where the referee didn't control the game well, didn't, because I think if it was one of those, if, if they if he'd have just booked Dembele early for kicking the ball away, you, you what you should have done is pulled them both over. Right, um, Sarike, you're getting a yellow card for kicking the ball away. And Connor, you're getting a yellow card for pushing out with him. If he'd have just done that, that would have just called it down. That would have made both sets of players realise you can't take the piss. You can't just do whatever the hell you want. You have to show some respect. And that would have made it a calmer game. The fact that neither of those players got even spoken to really for an incident set the tone for the game to come. And I think it just descended into chaos. A few comments about Ben Wayne. Um, I know that Sam and John, you were both confident of a, of a Wayne goal, I think you were also confident of a win before the game. So that you know, fifty percent right isn't too bad. Um, not sure it's the second goal gone down as his. Not sure if it was an own goal or not. I think it was an. I think it was an own goal. As of yesterday, BBC was crediting with it, uh, crediting him with it. So maybe it's one for the the mythic dubious goals panel. But I think Wayne deserves credit for getting in, you know, for coming across the defender and at least forcing him to put it into his own net. I mean, it's Wayne as played a big a big part in even if it doesn't you know go down as his with the final touch. So fair play to him for that. Do we what 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 do what do we think of Wayne Finn? You, you seem to you seem to wanted to to provide your fifty pence worth. Uh I look I'm not gonna go too harsh on him because I think he's getting a lot of critics. Um but I think the best thing for him would be alone in January. Um I think we especially with Bundu and uh Hardy um, coming back to um, to fitness, um, fingers crossed. So I think we need to look for a, for a striker. You know that gives us a bit more of an outlook uh, in January. But, you know, fair play to him. He always tries hard. Uh, he always presses pretty well. Uh, but his general um, understanding of where he needs to be and how to get involved in the game, I think the best strikers. Um, you know, even at this level. Um, in some ways, create their own chances, and you know, looking at even someone like Ryan Hardy, um, he, you know, he makes runs in behind, which um, even if the ball doesn't come to him, kind of tests the um, uh, the sort of movements of, of, of the defense, and then maybe later in a game he can kind of um, read that and then take advantage of it. With Ben Wayne, um, he's far he's far too static um, for my liking. Um, and often, um, you know, he's lacking in physicality, but also uh, he doesn't make, um, he waits for the ball to come to him too much rather than making runs off the ball, which then stretch the defence. Um, so I think, you know, I think there are qualities of a of a player in there, uh, like that, you know, that could potentially do well for Plymouth Argonne in the future. But right now, um, 
I think I think he he needs to needs to go out and and sort of learn um, the trade if if you like and and you know he he's come from a, a league which isn't you know notorious for being for being very physical and has come to one of of what many players say is probably one of the most physical in the world so you know there's it's kind of no surprise but uh but yeah I I don't see currently I don't see a future for him um this season anyway in the side long term yeah I'm sure well actually uh to disagree with that I feel like there is a world in which we get a new manager who likes to play two up top in which he could potentially thrive a little bit more but I don't think um we've got enough time on this pod to talk about um the the, that word of uh Ben Wayne's uh potential two up top play um Alex says that that Bally Mumba's man of the match uh, for him, is he for anybody else? Uh, two massive tackles, incredible work rate. Once again, again, I, I'm sorry, Alex. I don't think we've got time to cover that, but um, yeah, played right. Um, let's have a break. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. While we've got you, before we move on, just want to interrupt the pod to bring you a few messages from podcast contributors. Um, Starting with myself, I'm still amazed that people actually listen to this um, and ramble on. 2023 has been... Is it 2023? What year is it? Yeah, 2023 has been... (laughs) Amazing for us, both on and off the pitch. Obviously, the podcast um, seems to be trending upwards, and that's not possible without you listening in. So just a huge thank you from me, and more importantly, wishing you all the merriest of Christmases and the happiest of New Year's, or some of you may call it Cardiff Away Eve. Um, I appreciate this time of year can be tough for some, and if our stupid rambling has helped anyone get through even a single minute. It's been more than worth it. Um, I'm going to start with a few messages. Let's let's start with Graham. Wishing everybody in the Green Army a very happy Christmas, an exciting and successful season, as long as we finish above Stoke. Green Army. Hi, Green Army. Um, just a quick message. Um, wishing you all a very, very happy Christmas um, and a very happy new year. Obviously, 2023 hasn't ended in the best way um, with what's happened this week. But, um, yeah, enjoy the good times. Um, cherish those good moments with the the ones you love. And, you know, don't forget to, to check in on those who perhaps are struggling this Christmas or perhaps don't have anyone to celebrate it with. And I'm sure that when it comes to you buying gifts for your loved ones and all your family and friends, that unlike the championship referees that I ever go at, 
I'm sure you've made the right decision. Have a good one, folks. Green Army. Yeah, hello, everybody. I just want to say, uh, yeah, thank you so much for your support this year. Um, it's been our biggest year as a pod so far, and uh, we're only looking to go bigger in, in 2024. So I hope you all have a great Christmas, and uh, we'll see you for more bickering and uh, celebrity sightings in the new year. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Christmas, brought to you by December 25th, on a day when Santa rode his sleigh across the sky and mince pies were lined up on the table. He landed on the roof, last taken off of Hope Park by Adam Randall's goal against Stoke, went down the chimney and had the presence of mind to put them all underneath the tree. Joining me to discuss are Dasher. Evening, Aaron. Blitzer. Evening, Aaron. And Donna. Donna, you're on mute. As we dissect what is sure to be another excellent festive season. Fuck. Um, (laughs) To all the Green Army, thanks for listening. Class, big fan of that. Go on, Sam. Finish us off. I can't really beat that, can I? <laughs> um, yeah, Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. We enormously appreciate all your support. I don't think we ever quite believe we'd have as many people listening as regularly as, as what we do now. It's 2023 has been by far and away the best year for this podcast. Um been a fantastic year for the football club as well. We, we we all love it when, when people come up to us and they say they enjoy listening to the pod and, and people, you know, give their opinions on stuff we discussed on the pod. It's great that, that so many people are, are engaged by it. And yeah, long may it continue. I can only echo everyone else's words. Have a fantastic Christmas. And um, I said it for the Preston game. I said it for the Ipswich game. I'm saying it again now. The first away win is coming at Cardiff on Boxing Day. It's coming. I don't want to give us too much time, but I feel like we have to address it. Unlike his uh, predecessor, uh, Stephen Schumacher, at least had the decency to pick up Chris Errington's phone call um, and address some of the rumour around his move to Stoke City. Um, However, Houghton's press conference uh, seemed to give a different tale of events. Um, Sam, before we put all things Schumacher to bed, um, and obviously you went on the emergency pod, uh, do you want to share your thoughts on, on his comments, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll try and I'll give those comments combined with my overall view on it because I, I know that um, uh, a lot of people have been asking um, what what my thoughts and are. I wasn't on the pod. That's not going to make myself sound too important, but I know that I'm always good for a hyperbolic comment. So um, yeah, I'm sure people were uh, disappointed not to see me giving my immediate heat at the moment reaction on the on on the pod. So I'll, I'll give it here as well. Um, look. I was absolutely gutted. I think any Argyle fan who says they weren't is, is, is lying. Um, he's obviously been a fantastic manager for us for two years. Um, and, and and I think, in a way, there is a bit of a feeling the job is left undone because if clubs like Luton, Coventry could get to the playoff final on small budgets, yes, OK, they had bigger budgets than we have now, but give it two or three years in the league, bit of rebuilding... Who knows? He, he was an incredibly talented manager. And, and whilst he has made mistakes this season, you know me, I think the move to Fort in the back is, is, is a bit of a mistake. But whilst he has done something this season I don't really agree on, he, he, his coaching and his in-game management, it, it, it's fantastic. And he, he is an enormous blow. Um, do I blame him? 
I think not really. And I know this, this debate's been done to death, so you won't go back and forth on it. But I do think Stoke is a club of absolutely enormous potential. Um, I know that they've they've been a bit of a basket case in the last few years and all the rest of it. But there are signs that they're trying to put a structure in that's going to make them a bit more of a well-run club. I think it was only one year ago they hired Ricky Martin, not that one, as their new technical director in a similar role to which Duke Snip is doing with ourselves. So maybe that, you know, I know it didn't work out too well with him, him and Alex Neil, but maybe the signs that they're now starting to build the foundations in place. This is the first managerial hire that's been made under Martin. So maybe that might work out a little differently. I think he, he's been sold a vision by by Peter Coates and and and, and by Martin. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think clearly it's clearly it's something that he that he feels he just can't turn down. Um, there are all sorts of rumours about other stuff which I don't want to touch on too much. That, you know, for, falling out, tensions over the budget. Maybe there's truth in that, maybe there's not. But e- even if there's not, it's a very tough opportunity for him to him to turn down. Um, I hope he does regret it, to be honest with you, because I hope that we continue flying and being a very well-run club. And, you know, if they if they want to do well with us, fine. But, you know, if, if we're both in the top six, I've got no objection to that. But I hope he does regret it, because I think even if he does get Stoke promoted... It wouldn't feel quite as satisfying to him as getting Argyle promoted, and I really do believe that. But who knows? Um, we'll see. Um, as, as for the comments, I don't actually agree with that, that it does contradict Houghton's statements. All Houghton said was that he didn't say goodbye, which at that time he hadn't. But as he himself said, he, he was making phone calls over the resultant uh, hours and days that, that he would say goodbye by phone or text, and um, and, and that. And clearly, the, the, the club hierarchy didn't want him coming into the building when he was already the party manager. And saying goodbye, which is something I can understand. I think in any workplace, if you if you leave, you're you know certainly if it's, if it's a highly confidential corporate environment, you you're walked to the door with all your personal effects, and you're out the door. You don't get a chance to linger around and look at your you know documentation and that kind of thing. That's it. When you're gone, you're gone. Um, so I can understand why he wasn't allowed to say goodbye in person. I don't think that was necessarily a petty or a spiteful decision. I think it was probably a a sound business decision. Um, and he's obviously said goodbye to the players via text and phone call. Look, I, for me, absolutely still an Argyle legend. Absolutely someone who, when he returns to home park, deserves rapturous applause. He gave us the best season in our history. Um, gave us the best season in our history, I think, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I, I, I think it is, it is frustrating. But when we get to this level, we're a small fish at this level. And I think in, in his mind... If we lost five or six games in a row, we were in the bottom three, which we've not been in the bottom three all season. But if we then were, I think it's very much in his mind that some supporters would be calling for him to be sacked because football is a very fickle game. And I think there's a a decent thesis that I read in The Athletic a while ago that no manager is ever more than six defeats in a row away from fans calling for the sack. And I think that's probably right. You know, I think if Guardiola or Arteta lost six games in a row, there would be some fans calling for the sack. Not justifiably, because I think even then they deserve time to turn it around. But football is such a fickle game. And do I like what he's done? No. Do I see why he's decided to cash in while his stock is right up there rather than, you know, going down there? Um, I absolutely can see why he's done that, yeah. Um, It's tough. It's it's heartbreaking even. But we are where we are. And I just hope that we'll make the right appointment. I think we will. Um, but there's always a danger in recruitment. There's always a danger that it doesn't gel. Good times don't last forever. Let's enjoy them whilst they're here. And um, if you're asking who my first choice would be, 
I'm really all aboard the Gus bus. I think the rumours of Gus Poirier are really exciting and I'd like to see him manage us. And Bollard. That's me done. Probably. Maybe. Well, he's upside, inside out. He's living La Vida Stoker. Um, which, if a Stoke pod haven't used that already, I'm, I'm thoroughly All like, um, With his transfer business, he's living La Vida Loca, I would say. Right. Yeah. It wasn't funny first time. I don't think it was funny second time. Um, well, the third time. With his, what with, the, with his transfer business there, he is living la vidigal loca. <laughs> I can do this no. all day. During time, you're yeah. wasting. Same. No, you have to go at one, so you can't do this all day. It is my time I'm wasting, actually. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, on to the new manager search. Then Juicenip has announced that they'll take their time and they've had over they've had around a hundred applications for the role, in which fills me with some hope that there might be one or two gems in that list. Um, on that, Dean Holden was at the game. Finn, do you fancy Holden at the helm? No, that's good then. Per Mertesacker, Serena Viegman, Gus Poyer, and Dick Schruder, Schrudiger. I don't know him. Um, any of those take your fancy, John? Yeah, I think with the the latter, Ben Wayne can both be in the box and not in it at the same time. Um, exactly. <laughs> um, do any of those take my fancy? Well, uh, Wiegmann would take my fancy, certainly, but, but that is absolutely not going to happen. Ooh, still really the, the, I'm really, really perplexed as to where that has come from. Um, my girlfriend made the point that Emma Hayes has tended to figure on these lists uh, at about 16 to 1 odds uh, for no reason for pretty much every club that's had a managerial vacancy. Now Hayes has obviously got the US women's national team job starting in the summer. Maybe there needs to be a, a token woman on the list, according to the sort of people who put money on these things. And, and they've, you know, showing no imagination or knowledge of women's football, just reached for, for Wiegmann. So, uh, yeah, yeah, to I be fair, though, Wiegmann did say um, earlier on this year that, that it wouldn't be long before... Um, that uh, you know, a, a woman would step into a a top club in the '92. So why not herself? And let's be honest, when you're saying that kind of thing, it's often a hint that you're the one who wants to do it, isn't it? So it wouldn't be totally unreasonable from that perspective. Yeah. Are you saying, saying Vigman, you're the one? You still turn me on. <laughs> Vigman's coming to home park again. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the no, so so like. This I would sorry, I would take Vigman just to see the meltdown on Twitter. That'd be fucking this is great. this is a this is a whole separate podcast conversation, but to, to keep this very brief on, on that. Um yes, she is right. There will be a woman um manager of a football league club soon. I'm absolutely certain of that. It men's football league club. I think that day can't come soon enough. And obviously that person is gonna be an enormous it's gonna be an enormous historical moment. So like you know, do, do, do I think it's totally beyond the realm of possibility that someone with the profile of Serena Wiegmann, even though she obviously has an amazing job now in the women's game, could decide that they want to be that person who takes that challenge and, and is the first person to do it at a club where it might look like, you know, obviously that's a huge downgrade. I don't think it's like totally beyond the realm of possibility. I just don't see it being us now. And I don't really understand why the 16 to 1 odds have, have come about. Obviously, I know that, that you know, betting markets get moved by people putting money on. I just don't really know where that's come from. Some of the other outlandish claims like Poyet, who I can't really see either, have, you know, shots to that level in the odds because of, of rumours on Twitter that he's been spotted in Plymouth by multiple different people or whatever. Um, 
I can't remember who else exactly was on your on your list. I think Schroeder is uh, would be a shrewd appointment, um, <laughs> but but seriously, based on uh, based on his track record in Europe, um, I think it would be someone who'd be quite exciting. Have a you know having having not followed his career, I have a question that's a genuine question as to why he's left a job going into the Eredivisie, I believe, to go and manage in the Spanish third tier. That seems like a little bit of a strange career move to me, but um, obviously I don't know the circumstances of that. Um, Poyet is one who as Sam has alluded to in, in other conversations, played incredibly attractive football when he was Brighton manager. Obviously, that was a long time ago, but, but you know, I think that is obviously, that counts in his favour and is now the manager of a, a national team in Greece, um, but has had a, a run of concerningly brief spells at a number of big clubs in the last 10 years, which would suggest maybe um, some degree of falling out possibly with with hierarchy in those in those positions, which I'm not sure is the sort of manager that we're looking for, but I do think would be an exciting appointment. Meta Zaka, I don't really understand where that's come from, but obviously is someone who is quite highly regarded on the, the sort of coaching and, and technical development side of things um at a big club. So is is you know someone I'd be open minded to. Look, I would be open minded to a number to a number of appointments. Um I think there are some where I can say straight who have been linked where I can say straight up, I do not want them. I do not want not Dean, Dean Holden. Yeah, I agree, agree with Finn totally on that. Uh, sorry, sorry, Dean. And obviously, if it is you, you know, I'll, I'll get behind you. But um, what I've seen so far of his managerial career has not impressed me at all. Um, I think the same would be said of Richie Wellens. Dan Ellard is not here to argue the case for Wellens, his favourite manager in the Football League. But I think that would be a very underwhelming appointment from a man who does not have a track mm. record above the lower reach of League One. Um and Paul Cook, while I would prefer him to the other two names I've just mentioned, feels like the wrong guy at the wrong time, honestly, and, and not would not be a step forward. But, you know, th- there are lots and lots of names who I'm not going to claim to know a ton about. Um, and obviously, there are a lot of names out there who are people who are not in management or really have, have had, you know, either one job or no jobs at, at senior level, who it's very hard to say whether they'd be an exciting appointment or not. Um, obviously, they'd be a big risk. So I'm pretty open minded and, and maybe I'm being naive, but I really get the impression also that when Jusnip said on his press conference the other day that they are also open minded and they haven't made a decision yet. I get the impression that that is true, that they are hearing people out, that they are going through those applications properly and that they aren't going to rush it. And I think that's exactly the right approach to be taking. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of these these names we've bandied about, some more than others, <laughs> are not going to happen. Um, we might all be very surprised or, you know, as I think Joe said on the previous pod, find it to be a very left field name when we eventually do appoint someone. But um, yeah, but but I guess just quickly to finally echo what Sam said, while 100 applications has to be taken with a pinch of salt in the sense that I could have put my application in and, and that would count towards that total. Um, and I have seen the certain fans on Twitter who have received emails back seemingly from the club saying, thanks for your interest. Um, you know, to be to be linked with these sorts of names rather than just people like Cook and Wellens, who the last time we had a vacancy um, four years ago would have been the sort of managers we might actually have been quite excited to be linked with. You know, obviously, we're in a very different stage now, and and, and and you know the caliber of some of these names that are getting bandied about as not totally unrealistic shouts is quite exciting. I think, um, and I did say on the Shuey reaction pod the other day that I am excited about this news as well as feeling you know all, all sorts of other emotions about it. You know, obviously, a few days down the line from that, I am feeling just very excited. I think we've got a great opportunity to to take the club in, you know, not not a totally new direction because that's not re- what's required, but you know, to to lift ourselves to the next level, to to maybe eventually be in that Luton, Coventry, whatever tier, um, and yeah, and I, you know, and again, I still very much trust the club to be going through the right processes and and, and to get this right. Yeah, sorry to do another plug, but we have a four part series going live on Argyle Live soon, don't we, Sam? 
Uh, we're going to document a hundred names who could pop up in the Argyle document dugout. Yes, um, and, and in which we give a a score out of five for each potential manager. I mean, I've had to write a, an emergency per Mertesacker, um, so it might be a hundred and one. But um, yeah, we've got a few few left to go, so uh, <laughs> uh, might need to write a couple more. But that'll be live soon when I can be bothered to finish that. Um, Moving on then, should, should we preview Cardiff quickly? How do you see this one going, Finn, as our resident um, South Wellian? Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't know really. I, I think I think I've said for a long time, I think that's going to be a first win of the season. Uh, you know, and it just, again, kind of Schumacher leaving and all the things that have transpired this week, I just think is. You know, it, it's sort of, sort of law, as they say, that it's going to happen. So, I can see us winning that one. Um, obviously, Cardiff started off the season quite well. Um, you know, having a couple of friends who are, uh, you know, up in Cardiff who are supporters of them, you know, very pleased with their start, you know, start to the season. Um, but, you know, in recent, um, you know, especially when you consider uh, they only just stayed up last season, to be honest. Um you know, but in recent weeks they have kind of dropped off towards a um, sort of mid-table um, side. Um, so uh, yeah, I can see us going there and and, and getting something. Obviously, we're going to have to defend a lot better than we have done in the last uh, two games, but and against the best uh, against better outfits. Uh, but yeah, uh, I can see us getting something from this one. I can see our, our first win coming. In fact, so yeah. Yeah, Sam, you've already answered it in your. Uh... Your little Christmassy message, but we're going to win this one, aren't we? I, I've got a feeling we are. Um, and I, this is not, I hope, going to be clipped up like the Ipswich one was. Please, God. Um, look, I think Cardiff are a team who've done better than a lot of people expected them to this season, for sure. They are on a little bit of a wobble in recent weeks. They, they did possibly end that wobble yesterday with a great win from behind against Wednesday. But they were on very poor form leading into that game. I just think they're a team who, who, when you actually look at the man for man, yeah, they, they've got some good players for sure, but they're not that strong man for man. They are doing better than the sum of their parts. I think mean, Grant is a, a a great forward player for this level. Colin Grant, um, look, I, I think that Perry and G's a decent defender. Um, they, they've got a, they've got a few handy players, but um, I, I just think that. There, if you look at the man for man, just compared to maybe some of the others who are below them in the league, there are others who who impressed more. Look, I still think they're better than us, man for man. To be clear, I don't think their squad is terrible, but I just think that after after overperforming for so much of the season, they're maybe due a little bit of a downturn in form, and that's maybe just about starting. And look, as Finn said, there is also an aspect of it. It's a Stodd's Law prediction, which is that. After you know, after all, uh, you know, us all wondering how we're going to cope with the loss of Schumacher. The one area where Schumacher was weak was away games. As much as he was excellent in home games, he was weaker in away games. So it would be sort of Stodd's law. The first game after he goes, after being poached by Stoke with the aim of taking him to the Premier League, we win our first away game of the season without him. And I kind of feel that it's one of those things that the football gods will, will dictate to happen. Um, and, I, and I can I can see it happening. I think it's going to be a oh. John's seemingly dropped out. Um, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, I can see it happening. It's going to be a two-one away win in, in my view. That's really annoying because I was going to ask John about why he hates Errol Bullock. 
Go on then. I'll jump to I'll jump to this one. Obviously, Finn. Um, Michael Savage says we're all behind the players, but also in an incredibly tough league. If Hardy and Moose are out again, we have to face reality on Wayne and give Freddie a go. Even at his age, he looked a better threat up top, both physically and in terms of his touch. Mm. Are you starting Freddie? Am I starting Freddie? Well, I'll put it this way. I, I, I say I think Freddie Asirka had a more of an impact on the game, you know, of the caveat of Wayne. I wouldn't even call Wayne's assist an assist, really, because he gives the ball away to Sanderson. Sanderson just makes a, a hash of it, really. It's good pressing, but he didn't pass the ball to Edwards. Um, and then, he, yes, the, for the goal, for the second goal, he puts on good pressure. Uh, that is one thing that Ben Wayne is, is seemingly quite good at is getting across getting across uh, the box um, in sort of tight spaces, uh, much like sort of a Luke Jeffcott similarly sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, I think I would. I think I would if because I, I, I really thought that in the last ten minutes when the circuit came on, like he he made a you know a big impact. Um, and and looked looked more more exciting on the ball than than, than Wayne has did for the previous eighty. So uh, it's a big game to throw him in. But you know he's already come on against Leeds. He's already he's already got experience at this level and, and not and not uh, and also started against Leighton Orient in the cup. So he's he's got a not not loads of experience and he is only seventeen. But yeah, why not? You know why not? We we know what Wayne can do and currently that's not. Exactly doing wonders for us. So, yeah, throw the boat out there, I'll say. John, you're back. Question for you. Um, why do I get a feeling that you already hate Errol Bullock? You seem to I hate don't... every manager in this league, so... No, I don't think that's fair. And sorry for, sorry for dropping out uh, to our um, six viewers who are left at this point, um, <laughs> including the four <laughs> of us. No, I don't hate Bullock at all. I don't really know a ton about him. I have to say Cardiff for a team that have gone under my radar a little bit this season just because they've been performing fine they haven't really been in our conversation in terms of the bottom end of the table they haven't been really seriously in my opinion in the playoff conversation either they're just a, a very standard mid-table team and I think um while there might be some Cardiff fans and Finn would know better than me on this point who have elevated expectations certainly heard a few over the summer saying they sort of expected to be right up there or maybe not the yeah, I think, yeah I think they always kind of do given that yeah yeah, they, they've been in the Premiership in recent years, and that yeah, right. Realistically, I think they're doing about as well as, as could be expected this season with the playing staff they have, and with a manager who you know coming in was was someone who you know a lot of lower league pundits didn't know a ton about, um, and seems to have done a, a good job. Um, the Errol Bolution, as uh, I believe some Cardiff fans call it. So no, no, I don't have anything against him, and, and would push back on the idea that I hate. Every manager at this level, just probably most of them. No, I <laughs> okay. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think they've done a good job, and, it, and it'll be a tough game. Um, probably quite a physical game. That being said, um, you know they have been on a pretty poor run of form. They won yesterday, I believe, against Sheffield Wednesday, which was a good result for us, all things considered. But had to leave it fairly late. I don't, it's a game where I'd be very surprised if there was a lot in it, one way or another. To be completely honest, I think it has a, a tight one kind of all over it, but. I don't see any reason why we can't go up there and get that that first away win. It is coming at some point. 
Um, and tomorrow would obviously be to have the convenient side effect of, I say tomorrow, it's Christmas, uh, Boxing Day would have the convenient side effect of Sam being able to moan about us not winning a game, uh, a, a, a away game in England uh, since um, October. Uh, sorry, yeah, it was, I guess on Saturday 3pm, I was going to say, is October. Yeah, I was going to say, it still wouldn't be a Saturday 3pm, even if we do um, win on Boxing Day. But, but yes, can talk about not having won an away game in, in England this season. And in fact, why not? You know, that'd be a fun stat, wouldn't it? Let's win at Cardiff and Swansea, stay up and, and not have won an away an away game on uh, English soil. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's my uh, first, I believe my first ever Boxing Day away game. Um, having already been to Cheltenham on a non-Boxing Day game, I've decided to skip the last 17 Boxing Day trips there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Cardiff, new ground for me and I'm very excited. Yeah, nice. Um, anything to else that we need to add on this pod before we call it a, a, a night, a day, a very Merry Christmas Eve day, whatever, an end? And before you before you read out the "Twas the Night Before Christmas" um, Argyle parody version that you've written, right, Aaron? Well, I could. I, I sort you've of written, that. that you've written that you've written, right, Aaron? I've I've scrapped that. Shall I do it anyway? No, maybe. Uh, no, nah, okay. No, it's not that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just let's just close this out then. Uh, just a PSA that we'll be back post Southampton to recap the Cardiff and the Saints game. Unless anything major happens, like, you know, we get a manager or something, we might jump on then. Uh, but that's the exception. Can we, can we do score predictions for those two oh, games? Oh, you want to do a score prediction? Yeah. Oh, go on, on then. Do a score prediction, John. 1-0 win at Cardiff. 2-1 defeat at Saints. 2-1 uh, win at Cardiff. Uh, and 4-1 defeat at Southampton. Oh, cheery. 2-1 win at Cardiff. 3-1 defeat at Southampton. Nice. I'll just go 2 0 for both. Win or loss. Don't know. Who cares? Um, 2 0 win at Cardiff, 2 0 loss at Southampton. Uh, which is good, isn't it? It's good that we're all going to Southampton with such high spirits. What was I saying? Yes, that brings the end to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argo Life. Be sure uh, to subscribe to us on Apple Pods or Spotify or YouTube um, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Although I haven't uploaded to TikTok in a while. It's sort of like a one-week wonder. Um, I think that's everything. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you very much. And to all, a good night. You missed, you missed the rest of the words. I was on mute for the rest of it. It's very good, though. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.